Hello, and welcome to The Shining Light, where we are shining the light of the gospel and speaking the truth in love, providing strength, and stirring the hearts of our listeners. We are so glad to have you joining us today as you listen to this message from Pastor Tim Cruz. Turn with me to the book of 2 Samuel. We're going back here as we concluded this morning. We're talking about David and King Saul. King Saul was living as though he had not been anointed. And uh, I think it's interesting here because as this begins to unfold, we move from uh, chapter 1 into chapter 2 and uh, seeing how uh, David called for the house of Saul to honor their leader by going on in his absence according to verse 7. And uh, yet there were others who had uh, different ideas. Main, uh, namely, Abner, who was the captain of Saul's army, he thought, well, no, we're not going to follow David. I'm going to anoint another son of Saul, Ishbosheth, and, uh, and we're going to have our own reign, our own kingdom. But as you get into the chapter 3, the Bible says, now there was long war, underline that, long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. I mentioned this morning, our theme was about fighting the right battle. Fighting the right battle. Can you imagine? All that's threatening our homes and our churches in this hour. All the challenges that we're facing, but we're expending time and energy and effort so many times on things that don't matter. Things that really, in the big picture of things, uh, will not even appear in eternity. And may the Lord speak to us tonight about this because here we find another battle, another war, and uh, one side will win and one side will lose. And it says, this was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David, but David waxed stronger and stronger and the house of Saul waxed weaker and weaker. I want you to see that, how important that is. Uh, Saul's house was going down. It was going the exact opposite way of David's house. Now David didn't always recognize this. He didn't always see this because there was a battle. He was engaged in a conflict and he couldn't always assess and know how things were going. But yet God gives us a clear testimony here that David was getting stronger and stronger. His house, his followers, and those of Saul, weaker and weaker. You know what amazes me? Sometimes people can't see where the side they're on is headed. They can't see it. It's like the world. The world talks about being on the right side of history. I'd much rather be on the right side of eternity. Because oftentimes there are those who do not know God, they're resisting God, and they're fighting on the wrong side of things. And they cannot see ultimately that they're going to lose. This world is headed toward judgment. But God's people are headed for deliverance. And we think, well, the world is just getting stronger and stronger in its sin. Well, it's not so much that it's getting stronger as it's getting more and more out front, in your face, waxing worse and worse. But it's not a strength. Ultimately, it's a weakness that will betray them. And they can't see that. Sometimes there are people that way, they take sides and issues and they can't even realize that they're on the wrong side. Because anyone who wants to do right and has wisdom and wants to prevail is going to be on the side of 
the Lord. Who's on the Lord's side? Moses asked the people of God. I want to be on the Lord's side. Sometimes it looks like the Lord is losing. I remember witnessing on the streets of Salisbury, North Carolina, years ago, years ago as a, a youth director in my home church. And I took our teens up there to go witnessing uh, one Saturday night. And I want to tell you, that was back in the cruising days. And they'd drive to one end of town. They'd turn around and drive back through. And I mean, there were teenagers everywhere. And we'd go up there and just started talking to teenagers. And I remember witnessing to a young man and uh, I was talking to him about the Lord. He, and he asked me, he said, well, whose side do you think's winning, preacher? And he looked around at all these teenagers. He said, looks to me like the devil's side is winning and God's side is losing. I said, well, it's not about what we see or perceive here and now. It's about what God has said the outcome will ultimately be. The devil's crowd don't win. They lose. God and his people prevail. I said, that's the outcome. That's where this thing is headed. I think about sometimes practically in our lives. Someone has said it this way, it'd be better to fail in something that will ultimately succeed than to succeed in something that will ultimately fail. There are some people that get on the wrong side of certain circumstances or situations in life because for the moment it looks like it's prevailing. For the moment it looks like, hey, this is the route to go. We need to learn to stand on our own two feet. We need to learn to think for ourselves and not be easily swayed or influenced by people who don't have a heart for God. And sometimes it seems like they're prevailing, but ultimately it'll come to naught. Whereas there are times those who are struggling, suffering, but in the will of God as Jeremiah was, as Job was, as Joseph was. And God will bless their faith and faithfulness and they'll ultimately prevail. I'll tell you, it's important what side we're on because we're fighting battles. It's important what battle that we engage in. We fight the right battles. And so we see here that David was getting stronger and stronger and Saul's house weaker and weaker. But I think it's interesting here because I want to just preach tonight and talk to you somewhat about the weakness inside of the strength that David experienced. The weakness inside of the strength. I want you to think about that as our theme. The weakness inside of the strength. David was getting stronger and stronger, but then circumstances as they unfolded brought him to the point of saying here in the end of chapter 3 and verse 39, and I am this day weak, though anointed king. The weakness inside of the strength. Sometimes we're on the right side, and uh, we just don't realize the strength that is there, a strength of faith, a strength of commitment, a depth that is there. And we get to looking at the circumstances of life, and that wearies us, that weakens us, and we think, well, I guess that's really where I'm at. I'm just in a, a place of weakness, or maybe on a side, as it were, of weakness, something that will not ultimately be sustained or prevail, and we got to be careful about that. Remember when David said in his heart that... Uh, there's nothing better for me to do than to just run and flee to the Philistines, the enemy, because Saul is just going to hunt me down to my dying day. See, he was wrong there. Sometimes circumstantially we look around us and we're wrong. But it's what we see, that's what we perceive, that's what we feel, that's what the circumstance says to us. 
We better be careful listening to those voices. We better instead listen to the Word of God. We better do what the Lord says. We better open our hearts and our minds and say, Hey, Lord, help me to trust you. If I'm doing your will, if I'm trying to honor you, there is a strength there that oftentimes I don't see. Things do weary us and we, we grow weak at times and we think, well, I'm no match for this. Paul even said, who is sufficient for these things? I, I can't do this. And we go through those times. But I think it's interesting here because Abner as the captain of the army of Saul, he put another man, as I mentioned, Saul's son in the, on the throne of Israel. And then David was established by God. And in Hebron, God was doing a work to let the people see that David was his choice and his kingdom, his throne, his reign would ultimately prevail. There's a time when Abner, I mean, he was not guiltless. He was not an innocent man. He had certain things that he was going to meet God with or face. But yet, think about it. Joab, the Bible says in chapter 3 here in verse 27, when he was returned to Hebron. Now, this was one of the cities of refuge. Remember, they were, if they killed a man, whether it was intentionally or not, they would be able to run to these cities of refuge and they would have a fair trial to determine that. In other words, someone just couldn't track them down and say, hey, you killed so-and-so, so we're going to kill you right now. There's a city of refuge that God had established, different ones. And this was one. And yet right here in this city of refuge, Abner killed or, or was killed by Joab. Now think about this. Now, if you'll study this and read it, you'll find out that David had nothing to do with this. He was not seeking vengeance upon the house of Saul. He was not seeking vengeance upon Abner. He had nothing to do with it. And you can read down through here and you can see how the king in verse 32 lifted up his voice and wept as the coffin came by. And uh, and then the people took notice of this, that he fasted even and said, I'll not eat all this day until the sun be down in verse 35. And so the people took notice of it in verse 36. And it pleased them as whatsoever the king did pleased all the people. They knew that David had a heart for God and was God's choice and would be their king. And they saw his genuine heart, not only toward God and the people, but toward his adversary. Amazing, isn't it? What is your heart toward people, toward others? See, remember when Saul went down, David didn't gloat. He didn't rejoice in that. He mourned. He actually uh, pointed out the good that he had done. It's amazing. And he's doing that here. He's, he's mourning because he had nothing to do with this. This was not an act of vengeance by his hand. Even going to the point of saying in verse 38... The king said unto his servants, Know ye not that there is a prince and a great man fallen this day in Israel? Let's be careful. Remember the, the soldier who took the life of Saul? Ultimately, his life was taken. Don't ever be happy at someone else's demise. 
David had nothing to do with that. And he acknowledged this, this was a man that had obtained political influence. I mean, setting a king up in Saul's stead, pretty high position and influence. And so all that leads up to David saying, and I am this day weak, though anointed king. The word weak here means tender or faint. I'm faint in my heart. I'm wearied in my heart because of what has happened here. The weakness within the strength. And I want you to get this principle. A lot of us, we're trying to do what's right. We're trying to honor the Lord. That doesn't mean life's going to be easy. Doesn't mean that everything's going to turn out the way we hoped and thought or even prayed. Doesn't mean that people are not going to work against us or try to subvert us or people will look and try to perceive what we're behind or not, a part of or not, or what our heart and spirit is in a matter. All of that's going to come with the territory. We've got to come to a place to where we recognize that it is the Lord who's placed me, where he's placed me. Because a little bit later on, you'll read where the Bible says, after seven years, that David perceived that the Lord had established him to be king over all of Israel. God had to establish him. And God will establish us. But when people doubt you, when people work against you, when people try to misrepresent you or connect you with something that you're not a part of, what are you going to do in those moments? You better recognize your strength in the midst of that weakness. He said, I am this day weak, though anointed king. I am the king that God placed over his people. God did anoint me by his servant, his prophet Samuel. God has preserved me and protected me all these years from Saul's pursuit. And here I am, Saul's dead and I'm alive. Amazing, isn't it? Now the battle's raging. The house of Saul and the house of David. There's a long war going on. There's vengeance being exacted between the various ones that are associated with Saul or David. There's all kinds of turmoil. There's no rest, no peace here. But it did recognize it is God who put me here. I want to tell you, the devil's going to try every way he can to talk you out of what God's put in your heart to do. What God wants us to do as a church. He'll try to subvert, frustrate, undermine, misrepresent. Boy, we've seen so much of that through the years even. But we've got to be careful. We've got to know who we are in the Lord and who the Lord is and what he wants us to do. David said, God made me king. God put me here. God established me. God is with me. God will preserve and protect me. And you know what? God did. But there is a weakness inside of our strength. Sometimes the weakness helps us to reassess our strength and to consider it anew and to come all the way back well, am I best I know following the Lord, best I know doing what God wants me to do? And when you come to that place and you understand, yes, I'm doing what God has given me to do, then it helps you deal with and weather 
those weak times, those frustrating times, those aggravating times. Can you imagine the angst that David had against Joab and these men? What did he say here? He said, these men, the last part of verse 39, the sons of Zeruiah, be too hard for me. The Lord shall reward the doer of evil according to his wickedness. I mean, you, you fellows, I'm nothing like you. You're nothing like me. David was a reconciler. David was a peacemaker. You know, some people, that's who they are. They have a true heart for God and a true heart for people. They're not looking to flex muscle. They're not looking to exact upon someone or attack someone for no good reason or just to make a statement or just to put them in their place, as it were. That's not their spirit at all. But that was the spirit of Joab. It's amazing, isn't it? Oh, I'll get you. I'll get even with you. David was a peacemaker. And I ask you tonight, what kind of spirit do you have? Are you a brawler? The Bible says the servant of the Lord can't be a brawler. He's got to be someone who seeks peace. Reconciliation. He has to have a spirit of redemption about him. That's what he's in. The Bible says we're, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation, reconciling people with their God who made a way through Jesus Christ for them to be brought back into fellowship with them. We're reconcilers. That's what David was. Are you a reconciler? Are you trying to help people work through things so we can say, well, hey, what's right here? What honors the Lord? What pleases Him? Let's all just find what's right, what is the mind of God according to the Word of God, and let's just purpose we're going to do what God says. We're going to do what God says no matter what we think or what we feel, what others are saying, what pressures are bearing down upon us. We're going to do what's right, God helping us. I'll tell you, it could change the whole future of your life, your family, even a kingdom. Saul was so proud and so self-willed. Sometimes the higher we rise in our own eyes, truly, the harder we fall. And boy, was he lifted up. As I think about what it costs him and his family, you think about others who followed in his steps. They didn't learn anything from his loss. They were lifted up as well. Will we learn to humble ourselves before God and let the Lord establish us and prove to us and through us that we're doing His will? David said, you're not like me. I wouldn't have done this. I wouldn't have treated this person this way. I wouldn't have handled this situation this way. It was like, well, you know what he did. You know, he had it coming. Well, yeah, he had done wrong too. He had slain another, but God would deal with him. Isn't it amazing how many people feel like they are the representatives of God, not for good, but for evil, to exact vengeance upon people. It's amazing. We even do certain things in his name. May God deliver us from ourselves and from our pride because that is the pathway to, to failure, to defeat. You're fighting the wrong battle. You're fighting on the wrong side. You will end up in the wrong way, not in the way that you had hoped and thought. Oh, it's so important 
to understand that we're to do what's right. David recognized that he was the king. God had anointed him. Remember, Saul was living as though he had not been anointed. And that's why he went down. Are you living as though you've not been saved? You've not been redeemed? That God hasn't worked in your life? That there's no accountability to God for what you're saying or doing or how you're treating other people? Is that the way you're living your life? Well, there's a lot of people live their life that way. David said, now that's not the way I'm living my life. David had a heart for God, a true heart for God. Even when he had opportunity to slay Saul, he said, God forbid that I should lift my hand against the Lord's anointed. God put him up on the throne, and if it's God's will, God can take him down. But in the meantime, I'll just have to continue. I'll have to run for my life. I'll have to do whatever I've got to do. I know what God said, so I'll just have to trust that with God. I'll not be the instrument that stands in the place of God and plays the part of God in Saul's life. Remember when Joseph's brothers were reconciled to him and you come to the end of Genesis chapter 50 there, Jacob, their father, dies and they're like among themselves, oh no, daddy's gone. Joseph is going to get us now. He's going to get even after all these years finally. And so they went to him and brought that up and said like, wow, you know, what are you going to do? And he said, am I in the place of God? I'm not going to try to play God here. I'm not going to be the one to exact any kind of vengeance. You know what? I loved you way back yonder then. I love you now. What you did to me, it was so hurtful and so painful. I gave it to God then, and God helped me to go on and thrive with the life that I had here. I never would have chosen this, never entered my mind that I would finish growing up, and then I would get established here in Egypt, and God would give me a wife and children, Manasseh, forgetting, and Ephraim, fruitful. God would help me to forget the toil and the tension and the hatred of my brothers for you to do to me what you've done. God would not only take that away from it being at the forefront of my heart and my mind, but He would cause me to be fruitful in this land. He would make Egypt the breadbasket of all the world, and others would come in a time of famine, and they would be sustained because of what wisdom God Gave me. Isn't that amazing? He said, am I in the place of God? No, I'm not. I gave it to God then. You're in His hands now. I'll just leave it with God. You, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going I'm to do right by you. I'm going to do good by you. I'm going to take care of you and your little ones. I'm going to help you every way I can. Let me ask you, is that your spirit toward other people? Or are you still carrying something, harboring something, some way to get back, to strike back, to get even with someone. Maybe they legitimately sinned against you, hurt you. I mean, Saul tracked David down as, he was, as if he were a dog. I mean, it was merciless. But look at the heart of David, as was the heart of Joseph. Joseph, a picture of our Lord. Think about it. People betrayed. People totally, totally missed who he was. They were on the wrong side. In fact, we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, had they known, if they really had known that they were crucifying the king of glory, they wouldn't have done it. 
Well, they were just so blinded by their pride and their self-righteousness. It's amazing, really. And yet, look where they ended up. Now, I don't know what you're facing tonight, and I don't know what you'll face in days to come. But I want you to see the weakness inside of the strength. There is a strength if you're trying to do what's right. It won't always be easy. Sometimes it will weary you. It will weaken you. But don't in those times give in to operating in the flesh, operating in your own mind. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Put the Lord before you. Keep his word before you. Do what's right as God has preserved you protected you, so will he, even in those times of weariness and weakness, just keep going, and God will bless you. You remember what the Lord said? 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30, when Eli had honored his sons above God, he said, them that honor me I will honor. God wants us not only to honor him when it's easy, but when it's hard. <laughs> honor him not only when others are cheering us on, but when others are saying, crucify him in essence. In season, out of season. Just honor the Lord and do what's right. God blesses that. God will honor that. Somehow God will protect us and God will preserve us as he have. Has, so will he do. But isn't it amazing? God says this, you honor me and I'll honor you. Can you imagine somebody saying, okay, Lord, I'll tell you what, if you will honor me, I'll try my best to honor you in return. That's not the way the Lord says it, is it? It's not the way it works. God says, so you've got to recognize he said, I'm weak though anointed king. You've got to recognize who I am and what I've done and what I've already given you. Recognize that your very existence comes from my mercy and my grace. Recognize that. Don't miss that. Because there comes a point to where you realize that, hey, God as my creator, as my heavenly father, as my redeemer has every right to look to me and say, now listen, look at all that I've done for you and all that I've given you. All you've got to do is recognize it and honor me. And the more you honor me in that, the more I'll honor you. Isn't that amazing? We ought to bow before the Lord tonight and say, Lord, you have blessed me. You have honored my life by saving me, giving me life, and giving me all these blessings, the opportunities I have, another day to live, Lord, I will honor you. I preached a message years ago. Some of you may remember it. It was entitled, Who Holds the Key? I think it's interesting there in Ephesians chapter 5. God doesn't say, parents, honor your children. And you know, just maybe they'll honor you. God doesn't say that. What does he say? Children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother. Why? That it may be well with thee and that thou mayest live long upon the earth. Right? That's what he says. Children, you honor your parents and God will honor you. Can you imagine a child saying, well, I would honor you if you were honorable. I would honor you if I just felt like you deserved it. 
<laughs> hey, I would honor you if you honored me first. The folly, the pride of that. How against God's wisdom and design and order that is. God says, no, children, you honor your parents, and I'll honor you. And by the way, what parent is here tonight that doesn't say, hey, when my children appreciate what I do for them, and they honor me in that, it opens my heart to do even that much more for them. Isn't that right? But when they act like, hey, you're supposed to do this, you know? Or like, well, I mean, what do you want me to do? Just bow down and just worship you and, and thank you? I mean, what do you want me to say? If they got that attitude, you're like, all right. It doesn't mean that much to you. Okay. You know that's the way it is. Can you imagine the Lord? Can you imagine the Lord? Lord, I would thank you for your provision today, but you are my heavenly Father, and you said you'd take care of me. And so, really, I, you shouldn't expect me to thank you for what you've done today because you just did what you were supposed to do. I mean, I would be thankful, but it's your job. You made a commitment to me, and I mean, you're supposed to do these things. So, would you talk to the Lord that way? It's amazing. It is amazing to me, the pride and the self-righteousness that are in so many people in this hour. It's like that. Lord, if you would honor me at the level that I think you should honor me and give me more, then I would give you more, and I would honor you more. And it doesn't work that way. If you can't be grateful for the little things, if you can't be faithful in the little things, then you won't be faithful if God gives you that much more. You won't be grateful then. If you can't be grateful for life itself, much less what you do have, you think God's going to give you that much more because character is consistent and God sees our heart. If we're not grateful for the little blessings, just because we get bigger blessings won't make us grateful. It'll make us feel like we're owed even all the more. The spirit of entitlement, it is a real spirit and attitude in this generation. I don't want to work. I don't want to sacrifice. I don't want to put myself out, but I want everybody else to take care of me and provide for me and uh, basically do what I should be doing for myself. It's amazing. God doesn't work in that economy. God says, now, if you honor me, I'll honor you. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what circumstance you're in. I will sustain you and I'll see you through. He did that for Joseph. He did that for David here. There was a weakness that he faced in this context in the midst of his strength. But if you'll study this, and you'll see how God begins to work here. You'll see that David established altars. David went on and uh, grew stronger in the Lord. Over into chapter 5, I want you to see this here. In verse 4, David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned, in, he reigned 40 years. In Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months, and in Jerusalem, he reigned 30 and three years over all Israel and Judah. Now get this in verse 10, And David went on and grew great, and the Lord God of hosts was with him. See, that's key. Verse 12, And David perceived that the Lord 
had established him king over Israel, and that he had exalted his kingdom for his people Israel's sake. After seven years, God established him. Sometimes we want God to do everything our way or on our timetable, overnight even. God doesn't work that way. We have to trust him and honor him. Honor him. And the adversaries of the Lord heard that they had anointed David king over Israel in verse 17, and they spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. The Bible says in verse 19, and David inquired of the Lord. See, that's what set David apart from Saul. He always humbled himself before the Lord. He sought the Lord. He said, Lord, show me what to do, what is right. Lord, I want to honor you. I want to do your will. And Saul was like, well, I'll tell you what I think. Let's do this. Let's try the other. He didn't even have an altar Saul didn't have an altar at all until he was king for two years and was forced somehow to try to pray. Do you have an altar? Are you honoring the Lord? Are you seeking the Lord? Do you recognize that if you honor Him, He will honor you? If you seek Him, He will be found of you? If you're trying to do right and God's placed you where you are, that doesn't mean it's going to be trouble-free. Troubles are going to come even in the will of God. But we've got to humble ourselves before the Lord and trust Him and say, Lord, I I want you to guide me through this. And the Bible says He went on and grew great and the Lord of hosts was with Him. Isn't that amazing? In His strength that He was getting stronger and stronger in, there were times of weakness, but as He humbled Himself before the Lord, God honored the one who was honoring Him and made Him all the more stronger. Isn't that amazing? I'll tell you, we ought to be people of great courage and great faith. People who say, Lord, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to stand fast and I'm going to do what's right. Lord, I want to honor you in every way. And I realize that I hold a key that sometimes I need to be reminded of. Them that honor me, I will honor. God, help me to honor you more from my heart. See, honor, sometimes I think people misunderstand that. We talk about honor is like children obey your parents, honor your parents. Think about that. We think, well, that means to throw a parade. That means to just laud them or have a big celebration. We're to honor them in some kind of uh, spectacular way. No, it's, it's not something that we do. It's an attitude that we possess. I'm grateful. I appreciate. I value you. I respect you. I will endeavor to honor you and respect your influence, your counsel, your input into my life. It's a spirit. It's an attitude of honor. You see, sometimes there are people doing all kinds of things outwardly that appear to be honoring the Lord. But the Bible said that about the Pharisees. You you appear before men. You are justified in the eyes of men. But God knows your heart. Your heart's not in it. It's a feigned honor that really brings attention to yourself. And some kind of false or even temporary honor your way. If you're doing it ultimately to honor yourself, God sees through that. Do it for the glory of God. Do it for the good of others. Die to self. The more I go, the more I see Dr. Lee Robertson. Wow, every time he preached here, 
And probably just about every message he ever preached, there are people who will tell you this. They said he always somehow got back to die to self, be filled with the Holy Spirit. He would always weave that into every message. And I've heard him say it time and time again. And the more I go in serving God, the more I see the value and the wisdom and the power of that. You can't start with yourself. You can't make it about yourself. You can't start with, well, what about me? Or this is what I think. Or this is the way I see. You got to start with, well, what honors the Lord? What does God say? I want to honor the Lord here and do what he says. How will it impact others? Am I willing to put myself out if need be so others could be helped? Others, Lord, yes, others, let this my motto be. We've heard that, some of us, for the longest time. But have we lived that? We're living today to where the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, lovers of pleasures more than God, lovers of self more than lovers of God. And everything you see on social media in many respects is about self. Affirming oneself. Glorifying in oneself. Not all things. But I'm talking, if you even read some of the self-help things that are available. It's all about you. Well, the Christian life is all about the Lord and others. But that is the path to true blessing. Jesus, our example, said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And if you've lived that, you know that's true. Now, if you've never lived that, you doubt it. That's why you've not done it. But if you'll learn to give and serve and bless others, you cannot imagine the blessing that God is going to send back your way. It is so true. I've seen it. I've lived it. We've lived it here in this place. God has been faithful. And oh, how he's preserved us and protected us and provided for us, sometimes in the most unusual ways. But God has been faithful. Aren't you thankful for that tonight? Isn't it wonderful to be a child of God? Isn't it wonderful to know that you're trying as best you know to serve the Lord and honor him? Well, there's a strength there. I remember going through a time of just utter weakness physically mentally mentally emotionally spiritually every way i was just almost practically gutted nothing left and i'll never forget rebecca saying to me one day she said you know there's a strength in our church that you're not seeing right now she said don't miss it there are loyal devoted people who love god and love us, and want to do God's will in this place. Don't miss the strength that is there. I'll never forget that. Because, see, I need to be reminded of it. Because I was in one of those, I am this day, weak. Though anointed king, as it were. Though anointed or placed by God as pastor of this church. I knew God had placed me here. But in that moment of weakness, I needed to be reminded of His strength and the strength of our people. We've not been a showboat type people. We've tried not to make it about us. I'm not glorying in us. I'm just trying to say we've tried to walk before the Lord and do His will. And there's a point there to where God does honor that. I believe that. Do you believe that? There's a point to where God does honor that. 
People don't need to see some personality. They don't need to see what all we can do and make happen. God help us. That's how so many churches are run these days. It's just, it's just really an spiritual or religious organization. God help us to be truthful, trustworthy, and transparent in our heart, our motives, our spirit. Won't always be easy. But there's a strength that God's giving you. I'll guarantee you there's a strength God's giving you and your family sometimes you don't even see. And in your present weakness and weariness, sometimes if you're not careful, you lose sight of it. And it's in those times when the devil tries to talk you out of everything God has done for you and God wants to do for you yet. Don't believe that lie. Don't give in to him. Someone said the voice you listen to today will determine the life you live tomorrow. You're going to listen to the voice of God or the voice of your own self or the voice of the adversary or the voice of the spirit of this world and this present age in which we live? Whose voice are you going to listen to? I want to listen to the voice of God. The weakness within the strength. There are troubles and trials in the will of God, but there's a God in the midst of those troubles and trials. And there's a strength there. And God will preserve and God will protect and God will bless. The more we humble ourselves and seek Him and honor Him, the more He'll honor us. God will be faithful. And aren't you glad God takes us even in times when we're like, Lord, I just don't even hardly have the strength to pray. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, the Holy Spirit prays through us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Sometimes all we can do is sigh or groan, Oh God, Oh Lord. And God understands that cry. Aren't you thankful for that? There's a God in heaven who knows where you are. He knows your weakness. You're trying to do His will. Be faithful. Humble yourself before Him. Do what's right and honor the Lord. God will bless that. God won't overlook you in your time of weariness and weakness. It's like, oh, who are you? It's like, I don't even know you. I didn't call you and anoint you or put you in an opportunity for uh, any reason at all. I mean, hey, easy come, easy go. See you. Aren't you glad that's not the God that we serve? He doesn't write us off like others do. Or if we're not careful, we do ourselves. We need to take heart tonight. Hudson Taylor, the great, greatly used missionary to China. Years ago, he said he got to the place where he's, he's so spent, he did not have the strength to even pray. He could not even word his prayer. He said, all I could do is lay there and look. And through eyes of faith, rest in the Lord. You know, sometimes when we're there, Aren't you glad that God cares for us? And he doesn't just say, well, hey, what's your problem? Let me ask you tonight. In one sense, what is your problem? What are you facing? But if you're facing a problem, just know that God's concerned about it and he's not going to treat you in the way that others might with that kind of spirit that says, hey, what's your problem? Shake out of it. If you were in the will of God, you wouldn't be struggling like this. That's not what you learn from the Bible. God's faithful servants oftentimes did struggle, didn't they? Oh, how they struggled. But they found their God faithful when they humbled themselves before Him 
and honored him. May the Lord help us to do that tonight. Lord, I want to honor you. Help me. Give me faith. Give me grace. Give me strength, Lord. He said, my strength is made perfect in what? Weakness. Our weakness drives us into his presence through prayer. And there we find his strength. Thank you for listening to The Shining Light. We pray that this time has been a time of encouragement and blessing to you. The Shining Light is a production of Shining Light Baptist Church, located at 2541 Old Charlotte Highway in Monroe, North Carolina. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to join us. Service times and more information can be found at our website, www.shininglightmonroe.com. You can also watch our services on Facebook and YouTube and connect with us on social media. Thank you for joining us, and God bless.